Welcome to Curiously Katie, where life coach, hypnotherapist, and Reiki practitioner Katie Schofield shows you how to rehabilitate your mind, heal your relationships, and then your entire life, one question at a time. Weirdos, welcome. Hello, weirdos, and welcome to episode 12. And now that we are in 2022, hello, yay, we made it. How are you all doing? I want to start off this episode by updating you a little bit with some recent wisdom that I've been given that has been bestowed upon me about my ancient past. You heard me right. Last December, I felt very called to become an ordained shaman. And honestly, I kind of forgot about doing that until a couple days ago. And I posted something in my Instagram stories announcing that, oh, hey, if anybody wants to get married, let me know. And I actually had a friend reach out to me that day and tell me how they've been looking for someone. And I'm so honored and so excited to help them get married. And for the rest of that night, I just allowed myself to marinate in this high energy of being able to channel love for this person and their partner on their very special day. That night, before I went to sleep, my friend Tamala, shout out, hey girl, sent me a Lyrian light language meditation to listen to after talking with her about these um, light lions that I kept seeing. And she suggested this really powerful meditation. So while listening to this meditation without any effort or expectation, I started to see galaxies and nebulas and eventually a planet. And what I saw next changed me forever. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on star seeds very, very soon. But I bring this up now because with all of this wisdom that I recently gained, I feel very compelled to share it with you because enrollment is open right now for Cultivate. And until right now, I haven't had anybody sign up and I couldn't really figure out why. I'm like doing the things I normally do when people normally sign up for these things that I put on. And like right now, I'm like, what's happening? It's because until this point, I was feeling very insecure about the wisdom I am sharing in this course. I was feeling a little bit like an imposter I was feeling like um, I didn't, I don't, I don't have the credentials, I suppose, to be teaching the cosmology and the ancient wisdom that I'm going to be teaching in this course. And if you think people don't pick up on that in your marketing messages, you've lost your mind. People absolutely pick up on your language and your vibes when you are composing whatever you're composing in your marketing messages. So you see what. I found out, and what I'm going to tell you is that I was missing a piece of my heritage literally an entire lifetime, actually potentially several lifetimes as a high council spiritual advisor to the rulers of the Lyrian planets. And these planets are in the Vega constellation. And I've actually brought together beings for learning and spiritual union for millennia, for many lifetimes. So of course I want to help people get married. Of course I was like, oh, let's just casually be a shaman. No big deal. Of course I'm wildly bookish because this race of, of 
aliens, I suppose, are the wisdom keepers. And of course, I am a channel of love. My incarnation cross is literally the vessel of love. Love is all there is in this universe. It is the energy of creation. It is love is the highest vibration we can we can access. So anyway, before I get all carried away on my love soapbox, after the meditation, I knew where my wisdom came from. I knew the way I'm connecting the dots and the patterns I'm seeing and the subtleties I'm noticing that other people are overlooking isn't a fluke or a sign that something in my mind has malfunctioned. <laughs> like Katie stood a little too close to the microwave one too many times. I know now that I'm a wisdom keeper. I know now because of my lineage that, and, and honestly because of my blood and my, my blood type that this wisdom is mine to give, not because I'm an imposter or not the right person to give it, but because it's my purpose. It's because I'm what I'm, my soul is here to do and what I've been learning how to do over a very, 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 very long time. So it's only natural that I would have the impulse to share this. So imposter syndrome, consider it squashed. Now that I've received this knowing, I can make so much more sense out of a lot of other really weird moments I've had around big cats in my life, lions specifically. The Lyrian race is an alien race of uh, lion, human hybrid. They kind of look lion humans, but that's not, that's not what I was seeing. What I was seeing and what my friend who over a year ago saw when he tapped into my energy, I was like feeling kind of bummed and having some confusion around a specific issue. And he's very visually psychic. And he told me that when he taps into my energy, he sees lions pawing at my door, which I was like, I don't really get that. Pawing at my door, like just jumping up and down. He's like, lions, girl, you got lions. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I thought this was really interesting, but I never really took the thought much further or really considered what those lions might um, signify outside of like the basic sort of like pride and um, strength and courage and um, luxury, you know, like the basic material sort of uh, associations we make with them. I never considered that some part of my heritage is waiting for me to wake the fuck up to it and take ownership of it. And I promise this has to do with becoming an empath or being an empath. And I'm going to make all of this make sense in just a moment. So hang in there. But I never took this information much further because I thought it sounded kind of crazy. And it still sounds kind of crazy. But the truth is, the more I learn about my blood type, the fact that I'm RH negative, the fact that I'm O negative, I have this Lyrian DNA within me. <laughs> and um, last year, my tarot card for the year was strength. And if you know anything about this card, you'll know that there's literally a lion and a woman on the front of this card. And I think at the time, it was just maybe a little too on the nose for me. Like I was in the forest and I'm like, where are the trees? I don't understand. <laughs> 
I didn't fully comprehend this message that my highly literal tarot deck draws for me. And, and because I didn't understand, like literally, Katie, you are the woman. These are the lions. Pay attention to them. They're here to talk to you. It just, it just didn't resonate. I was like, oh, strength, cool, 2021. Yeah, that fits. But then after this meditation, I really stopped to think about what's going on. There are so many other things. When I was in high school, we went to the Henry Dorley Zoo in Omaha, Nebraska with my family. And I shared this really powerful moment with a lion. He was only about 10 feet away from me on the other side of the glass. And he was eating something meaty and bloody. And he looked up at me from the raw meat he was chomping on, looked me dead in the eyes, and then just let out this tremendous roar. And I felt an incredible, like, I don't, I, it's hard to put it into words unless you have felt sound penetrate every cell of your being like this. And I swear I probably would have burst into tears of joy if I wasn't so socially anxious at that time. I turned around and saw everybody staring at me with their mouths open. And my dad just broke the silence. He was like, whoa, Scooter, that was amazing. And, and then we just moved on and we just went to the next exhibit. Didn't think anything of it after that moment. And now that I'm looking back on it, I was like, did that lion fucking activate me? Did that lion, was he talking to me? Would, was he trying to tell me something? So after I've done this meditation, I have uncovered some beautiful visualizations from this planet. I didn't even know there were birds on this planet. I just thought it was like the lion-human hybrids and Today, I found out there are birds on this planet, but when I was doing the meditation, um, I, I saw myself dressed in this incredibly vibrant um, ceremonial garb with long bird feathers on it, as if to say, like, I'm wearing the birds that were there and just so vibrant colors. Like I can't even express to you. It was so beautiful. So I'm proud to share with you guys that after reclaiming my own lion heart, that my upcoming group program is a gift to humanity. And I know that. And I will be connecting you in this program to your own Ascension Angel and helping you heal your inherited trauma helping you make money, and connecting you to a group of other like-minded empaths so you can start to remember exactly who you are. You might not be Lyrian. You might have some other starseed DNA. You might have no starseed DNA, but you just want to feel like you know what your purpose is and you want to feel really driven by it. That's perfectly fine too, but you have to take the first step just like I did. I had to seek out the wisdom in order to have access to it. So click the link in the show notes and set up your vibe check with me today. And let's make you some money doing the thing that you love and that you were made to do. Okay. So I'm going to do a whole episode in the future on star seeds, but for right now, I really wanted to update you on this revelation and share with you the wisdom that I'm bringing forward and cultivate. So it will not only make you material wealthy, you understand that it will also make you spiritually wealthy mentally wealthy. And the first call is going to be on January 
12th at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, and I would love to invite you to take this journey with me. So speaking of the cosmos, the astro weather for January has kind of this delayed gratification vibe to it. It's been a little withholding of the juicy delights we've all been waiting for, and we won't have those until the end of the month, but I want you to know there is no reason to not feel bright and bubbly and really positive about where things are heading this year, because now that we've worked through all of our complicated Saturn squares, things are starting to look a lot brighter for everyone, truly. And the ushering in of good vibes has already commenced. You can probably literally feel like like a lift, like a lightness in the energy around you. Because along with these sumptuous energies, there will also be the opportunity for you to explore heightened states of what I like to call psychic arousal in the next coming months, particularly in April. And I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do to celebrate this once-in-a-lifetime planetary arrangement, literally once-in-a-lifetime, but... When I do know, you will for sure be the first people to know because this isn't just an opportunity for those of us who are already psychically inclined or for empaths or for anybody else who's maybe a little more sensitive. This is an opportunity clearing the way for all my little weirdo friends and empaths, the star seeds, the light language speaking, the higher dimension channeling, beautiful light beings to all come together and share some really beautiful frequencies this day. I share all this with you, partly as a way to stall about what I'm about to share with you, but mostly so that you're aware of what's been going on and the magnitude of elevated vibrations that I have been attuning to as your teacher and guide. And it's just been such a beautiful journey that I couldn't continue this podcast without you. And I also couldn't continue this podcast without letting you in on what's going on with me. Because now we're in a relationship. You're stuck with me. So when you are tapping into your empathic or psychic gifts and you're developing underneath this perfect storm of unity consciousness that has been building for a while in the next few months, I want you to be aware of these energies going on around you because it will be the time to ask the big questions in your life and get the answers. In this episode, however, I'm going to tell you about my experiences as an empath, what it means to be an empath, and what it was like for me when I started waking up to these gifts and even before I chose to acknowledge them. And I add that in there as a little ad lib because you know I like I like to have my stuff typed out, you guys. It's 1040, 1040, it's 9:40 at night. And I had to have it all typed out because otherwise I kind of ramble. So I like my shit typed out. But I just want to add a little ad lib in here and tell you that the memories that I'm sharing are before I realized my gifts and sort of looking back on what I was actually doing with this energy before I realized I was experiencing it. And I hope that this is really helpful for you. So I want to share a little secret that's not so much a secret now because of how I started the episode, but it was when I started writing this. I have been called to take public ownership of who I truly am across lifetimes and timelines. And like I said before, I want you to know that being honest is never a risk. Being honest and honoring your desires and who you truly are is an incredibly 
powerful timeline shifting, upgrading moment for you. Stepping into the light of who you truly are, while although very intimidating, I <laughs> it's 9.40 at night for a reason, you guys. I maybe have procrastinated a little bit today because I'm like, I'm about to get on my podcast and say some crazy shit. But while this might be a little intimidating, I want you to know that when you do this and you honor who you are, it further connects you to your tribe of weirdos waiting in the wings for you to show them it's safe. And there are people around you looking to you right now to be their leader. There are people around you right now who want you to show them that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be your full self in its full expression. And I just want to give you the opportunity to see I'm alive. (laughs) I can do it. You can do it. So my favorite, favorite weirdos, I'm here to tell you, look at me. I'm doing it. I'm a psychic. I'm an empath with alien DNA and a rare as fuck blood type. And I'm here to share an incredible gift with you today. I'm going to empower you to take ownership of your own power by owning exactly who it is you are. And look, I mean, listen, I didn't burst into flames. I'm not on fire right now. I didn't poof into a cloud of smoke. I still have my throat chakra. It's been coming and going while I've been recording this. I'm not going to lie, but I'm still alive. It's still safe. I'm still proving to myself that this is the time we are safe. And now we do this together. So I wanted to start off with those words because, or with the words, because words are everything. And until we come up with a more sophisticated way of communicating, then we need to focus on what the word empathy actually is if we are going to understand how it's used. So according to the dictionary on my desk, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It comes from the Greek M, which means in, and pathos, which means feeling, to say that you are literally in someone else's feelings. So to say that you can empathize with somebody is because you have been in their place, so to speak, or walked a mile in their shoes. You get them. You understand them. You're communicating that to them. In science fiction, however, an empath is somebody who has paranormal ability to apprehend the mental emotional state of another individual. I really feel like the science fiction definition is a little closer to the truth, but I want you to decide that for yourself. Here's the thing. Everyone has the ability to be an empathic person, but not everyone is aware that they are an empath. Everyone is empathic, but not everyone is aware they are an empath. Does that make sense? So now what I find when working with clients is that clients that are self-proclaimed empaths have created sort of this built up sacred identity about themselves, about this ability to feel the emotions others are feeling, except they have a deep misunderstanding about how emotions work, where they come from and what it means to actually sense the emotions of others versus thinking thoughts in their head that create emotions inside of them that they then think are the emotions of others. This is a very nuanced detail that is not spoken about in spiritual circles. 
So my goal is to demystify what it means to be an empath for you today. So if you do self-identify, you also self-humble. And if you don't identify with being an empath, you can at least understand the energetic process of what's going on from an intellectual level. So you understand what is taking place in and around you and maybe for others who are highly sensitive. And I want to be clear that feeling like a special snowflake is the correct feeling. I'm not knocking it if you feel like a special snowflake for your empathy or for your empathic skills. That's correct. You are a completely individual expression of spirit organized in a totally unique way that will never happen again. But this doesn't make you more or less something than anyone around you. And that's the, defi- like the, the distinction I want to draw here. It's easy to think that being an empath would make you a special kind of weirdo, an elevated or somebody who is more connected with the universe. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, this is not true. However, I used to think that way too. I really used to believe that about myself. And when I wasn't feeling very healthy, that really sort of helped me feel better about myself. But The main reason why I had this misconception from the beginning was mostly due to a massive pop culture misunderstanding of what it means to be an empath. So prepare yourself, my loves, because I'm about to burst your bubble with some devilish details that are not discussed as much in spiritual circles. I'm also going to ground your energy with education not being shared anywhere else, literally. The information I'm about to tell you, I have never heard anybody teach it the way I teach it, and nobody explain this incredible power in the way that I'm about to explain it to you. So grab your pin. It's going to be fun. So what I find is that most people who claim to be highly empathic are highly emotional people with unresolved trauma who are living in sort of this like raw, sunburned, emotionally... um, exposed state of mind, not like physically sunburned, but like emotionally sunburned. Everything's just kind of raw and red and throbbing all the time. And they use this term empath as a means of controlling and manipulating or creating excuses for themselves and those around them in unsuitable and deeply unhealthy ways. And that's not to judge anybody. Without taking you down the path of trauma bonding, I'm sure you can see the level of damage it might cause to your relationships if you always thought that whatever emotions you felt inside your body were the truth of things outside of you, were the truth of the person across the room from you, without even asking them. So now before you start feeling any kind of way about what I'm sharing, I do want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. If you are somebody with high highs and low lows, and if you feel like you ride that magical wave of emotion every day, baby, I get you. I'm the same way. (laughs) And my whole life, I have felt like a total victim to my emotions. So if you haven't listened to the podcast on emotions, please stop this episode and go listen to that episode instead and then come back to this one because knowing how emotions work is foundational. So if you haven't already you're going to be a little confused, but I'm going to try and keep it, keep it tight, keep it concise, and give you a quick refresher while I'm going through being an empath because you can't talk about being an empath without talking about emotions and how they work. For the longest time, though, I felt like my emotions led me through life by the nose, like hooked 
in my nostrils and just pulled me through life by my nose. I felt like I didn't have the power or the wherewithal to lead myself. And I thought like, oh, that person pissed me off. They must be a bad person. Or, oh, that person is toxic as fuck, but I still have to work with them. Must be time for me to get a new job. Or, oh, that that person is really mean to me all the time and I don't do anything wrong. I felt this way a lot. And I felt this way until I took my power back by doing the things I do best. Learning, accepting, letting shit go, and integrating what I'm about to share with you. So what I want to do is lay a basic foundation for what it means to be an empath at the level that everyone is an empath. So if you practice the skill of empathy, you can hone in your empathic abilities by listening carefully, maybe taking some notes and really working what I'm about to share with you. Then I'm briefly going to explain empathy fatigue, how to avoid it in a way that will likely shake you to your core, especially if you're a nurse or another medical professional or anyone who's ever been forced to sit through an empathy fatigue training seminar, which do not disclose what I'm about to share with you and are overpriced ways for large corporations to feel better about their slave labor. There, done, I said it, okay. Then, (laughs) after that, I'm gonna take us to a deeper level of what it means to be a psychic empath and a physical empath and what that journey has been like for me over my lifetime from before I knew what was going on to now after experiencing it and how that's changed. All right, fam, deep breath in, grab your pins. Actually, put your pins down. Let's hold hands. I would like that more. So hold my hand and let's take a deep breath together. Ready? Okay, deep breath. That's so nice. Okay, so let's lay this foundation. Everyone is an empath because everyone has emotions. As a quick reminder, or in case you haven't listened to the episode on emotions, emotions are biochemical responses in your brain that create feelings or a vibrational resonance that can be measured by science that you feel in your body. And these biochemical responses in your brain come from the thoughts you think. They don't fire willy-nilly. They come from a thought you think, either consciously or subconsciously. And what this means is that your emotions do not come from outside your body. I want to repeat that again so the people in the back heard me. Sit with this implication. Your emotions do not and have not ever come from outside your body. However, your emotions do carry a vibrational frequency or a signature, much like the frequency of a D note on a piano. If you think about a piano and all the different keys it has, it's much like our emotions. Our emotions all have a different note. There's this beautiful and wonderful thing that happens when you play a D note on a piano. Let's imagine, let's just play a little make-believe right now. Let's imagine you are sitting in a recording studio and you're recording a song with a guitar and a piano in it. And you notice that when you strike the D note on the piano, the D string on the guitar also vibrates. And it's not because the guitar is being played, but it's because of the harmonic resonance, the sound waves coming off of the piano 
activate the sound waves of that string, the string that is tuned to the D note, and they both vibrate together. Humans also have harmonic resonance, except we call it empathy or being a highly sensitive person. We allow this harmonic resonance to get way the fuck out of control when we have a misunderstanding about the vibration we are attuning to or we are being drawn into. And what happens is instead of feeling it for what it is and allowing it to pass through us unharmed, a lot of times, especially for women, especially due to social conditioning, we take ownership of the D. (laughs) And because we take ownership of that D note, we continue to generate the vibration of the D in our body with the thoughts we think. They've proven in labs that an emotional charge will only last 90 seconds in your body if you are not actively recreating this energy with your mind. This can happen in two ways. We recreate this energy unconsciously due to subconscious beliefs that you have about your responsibility to manage other people's emotions or emotional experience or other people's experiences in the world in general. Or it happens consciously with the thoughts that you're actively thinking about the person, circumstance, or situation around you. This means that all humans have the ability to be vibrationally in harmonic resonance with another person. So when they say your vibes attract your tribe, that's not only clever marketing, it's actual fact. In fact, we are, we are literally made to sync up with other humans and to feel what other people are feeling around us. In other words, we are made to be in harmonic resonance or in sync with each other's energetic signatures so we can feel what other people are feeling as a way to test the temperature of a tribe or collective for safety to keep us alive. This is an ancient function of our brain. It is primordial. Now, working with this example where you are in the musical studio and your piano and your guitar are sharing harmonic resonance of the D note. Because your emotions are only ever generated from within you, you can feel somebody else's musical note without creating your own, and you do this by controlling the thoughts you think about that musical note. Remember, musical note is your emotion. This means you choose to think a thought that either amplifies the harmonic resonance of the D note or allows the D note just to live and not make that piano's D note mean anything about you as the guitar. But (laughs) this would mean that you have consciousness and you are an instrument with consciousness. And because we're not living in a Disney movie, I want you to realize that the guitar doesn't have the ability to choose not to resonate at the same frequency of the piano. And likewise, even if you play that guitar really loudly, the piano doesn't have the ability to consciously choose whether or not to resonate with the guitar. It just does that. And this is because they lack consciousness. They are creations born from consciousness, but obviously they do not have consciousness. They don't have the choice to think a different thought that would have them vibrating at an A note, for instance, which is a higher frequency. So I give you this somewhat silly example to emphasize a very important point. 
your gift of consciousness is also your superpower. And in taking ownership over the thoughts you think, you literally take back your power. When we're talking about the popular understanding of what it means to be an empath or to practice empathy, I want you to start to see that there is a fundamental misunderstanding about the nuanced differences between being an empath and being highly emotional, highly sensitive, and having a fucking mismanaged mind. And to be clear, when I say you have a fucking mismanaged mind, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I'm saying this to help bring awareness to the very thoughts you are thinking about what's going on in the world around you, or what subconscious thoughts are playing out their diabolical narratives in the background. And I know this firsthand. I lived 30 years of my life this way. You can trust me, I got your back on this. The only way to actually use your power as an empath, you ready for this, is to get really, really, really clear about what is consciously and subconsciously going on in your mind. And guess what? You don't know what you don't know. And trying to locate your subconscious beliefs on your own is exactly like the blind leading the blind. Because this automatic filter in your mind will literally keep you blinded to your subconscious beliefs, it's called confirmation bias, that are keeping you stuck in self-sabotage or yo-yoing on your diets or quitting your jobs when things finally start going right or getting fired. And it will 100% every single time prevent you from making money. The good news is if you have the desire to do something, then this is the indication that you were made to do it in this lifetime and that you already have what you need to overcome any obstacle you might face in trying to do that thing that you want to do. Having done this journey, both solo and with support, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to reach your goals faster and move further than you ever thought possible before when you have a support container. And listen, if you haven't clicked the link in the show notes and set up your vibe check with me yet, I just want you to ask yourself this question so you can really ground in the wisdom preventing you from taking this step. How long do you want to struggle and not figure this out by yourself? Whatever number you pick, like whatever number, like let's say you want to go, okay, one more year, I'll just give this one more year on my own. I want you to double it. And then I want you to double it again. Because without an outsider's perspective, you will stay blind to your own patterns. In Durant, step off soapbox. (laughs) So it's never a great place to start out an interaction with somebody by assuming you know what other people are feeling. And that's the biggest problem with the self-proclaimed empaths that I have not worked with personally because I work with really fucking cool people, but I've come into contact with enough to call them on their shit. So assuming you understand what somebody else is feeling makes an ass out of both of you. So now that you know how emotions work and how empathy or being an empath works in terms of what you choose to take ownership for and what you choose to let go of, what do you think this means for people who deal with empathy fatigue? For those of you that don't know what empathy fatigue is, this term comes from mostly the medical field, but really as light workers, as star seeds, as empaths, as people who work in service to others, this applies to you. Empathy fatigue is emotional and physical exhaustion that happens from caring for people 
other than yourself day after day after day. So like I said, we see this a lot in healthcare professionals, therapists, coaches, etc. I started to really run into this when I first started my business and I started taking one-off hypnotherapy clients. I used to do like hourly sessions and just do hypnotherapy clients. And I really started to resent this amazing work I was doing because of the emotional toll it was taking on me. I would spend hours at the gym just trying to rid myself of these low vibrations. I drank a lot anytime I had the chance. And I took myself on shopping sprees, so I never held on to the money. I vegged out for days in between clients, and I really started to feel overwhelmed and run down because I didn't understand that I had any control over the emotions I was experiencing, amplifying, and then choosing to hang on to. And it's my belief that we run into empathy fatigue or feeling drained by our clients or our interactions with others because we have a misunderstanding of how emotions work in the first place. And that misunderstanding isn't wrong. It's just incomplete, as it was in my experience, because No one out there in psychology classes today is teaching the neuroscience published and peer-reviewed in the last decade. They're still stuck on Freud and other old dead white guys and their bullshit. And I could just rant right here about why I think that is, but I won't. What happens to the lack of information is that we engage consciously in the emotions we are sensing coming uh, coming from other people. Remember, harmonic resonance. So we do sense this emotion incoming and we engage in it with our thoughts. We consciously choose to think a thought that creates a similar note in our body. And what having this information empowers you to do as an empath is to feel, sense, recognize, and be aware of this incoming resonance and then choose to not personalize it not mean it make anything about you, and not choose to amplify it or hold on to it. From this place of conscious knowing, you then have the option to choose a different musical note. What? Yes, you get to choose a different vibration or emotion to carry in your own body, even while showing the other person that you understand them. And listen, that process I just described sounds very simple but I don't want you to be hard on yourself when you find yourself triggered and unable to talk yourself down right away, especially if you're living your life thinking you're more important or more knowledgeable than others around you because of your abilities and your sensitivities. Your ego will throw a fit when you dethrone it with the reality of education. It's going to speed everything up for you so that when you get put in uncomfortable situations where emotions start feeling slightly bigger than you, it rushes you into that emotion rather than allowing you to slow down and take the ability, being responsible, response ability, to respond to what is going on back into your conscious power. It's going to, it's going to literally throw a toddler fit. So where I see empaths tend to get stuck in this process is when they stay in that low vibration of whatever they sensed or felt externally. You see this a lot in service people, in light workers, in not service people as in the military, but like people who work in service to other people. And not having the tools to pick apart this process makes things even more challenging. Why? 
because our brains love repetition and we have literally a whole group of neurotransmitters dedicated to just mirroring the people, the actions, and the emotions around us. So your natural inclination will be to unconsciously think thoughts that generate the same low low vibration energetic signature to match the situation of the people, things, and situations around you. That will be your natural inclination. It will feel unnatural to allow this vibration to move through your body and wear off. It will feel even more unnatural to feel this incoming vibration, recognize it as not your problem, not be an asshole to that person, and then choose a different energy to feel instead and then hold that higher resonance for that situation. Hold that higher resonance, not only for yourself, but for that other person while also demonstrating compassion and empathy. We are naturally inclined to mirror our environment. This is a basic survival mechanism and it keeps you safe in your tribe and alive. And it belongs to the oldest, deepest part of your brain. Now, I realize what I'm circling around is some next level detachment mind ninja Jedi mastery. And again, I don't want you to think that now that you know how, it's going to be super easy to do. No, no, my friend. This skill takes very focused effort and a lot of putting your foot in your mouth over and over with with some failures to learn and understand and evaluate and adjust in order to master this level of empathic wizardry. You can also see this as being more objective, but I don't want you to misunderstand or think that once you know how to do this, you will all of a sudden be comfortable with uncomfortable emotions or you won't feel them. Oh yes, you will feel them. That is just wishful thinking, my friend. (laughs) You will 100% feel uncomfortable emotions. And if you are in a relationship with another human, I want you to consider that it is always worth it for the person and for the relationship that you're in and for the person that you're supporting, that you are not depleted by the interaction that you have with their emotions. So now I want to give you an example of what this next level mind ninja situation might look like in a relationship. So this New Year's Eve, I went to a incredible New Year's Eve party. It was a murder mystery party and I went to this party with a friend. And I want to give you a background about this friend. This friend has a pattern of creating safety in our relationship and then punishing me passive aggressively by attacking my character. However, we have done a lot of work on this by this point. We've been friends for over five years. And that night they mentioned that they were tired and they were trying to rally. And there was definitely a weight to the vibration they were putting out but I'm a force of energy and I thrive at helping elevate others and by elevating my own vibration. So I didn't see this as a problem. So we were driving to a murder mystery party, all dressed up in 1940s costumes. And I love a costume party. This is my third costume party in three months. And if you guys are having costume parties and not inviting me, I'm super sad about it. So... (laughs) Anyway, this night, I was so ready to go play make-believe with my best friend. The person hosting the party and I have been friends for over 25 years, and she invited a bunch of her friends over, and it was a bunch of adults playing adult make-believe. 
It was the best. (laughs) But it's New Year's Eve. I'm not driving. So I'm enjoying some cannabis and I'm smoking with the window down as we drive over to um, this party. And I'm playing some music and just really feeling in gratitude and vibing on all the joy I feel in my body and just really soaking up the moment, just really in it. However, I needed to give my friend directions and I expressed that I didn't know the name of the exit we were going to take, only the time to get off the highway. And then I kind of followed that up with, I'm more like a homing pigeon than a GPS. And my friend driving looked at me so severely annoyed and expressed very curtly, see, this is why I hate it when you are stoned. Now, although my first thought was, ouch, my second thought was, wait, I'm not even stoned. What's going on here? Because I feel truly amazing about playing make-believe with somebody I've been playing make-believe with for over 20 years. And at that point, I felt this distinct energy shift in my friend. And it moved from one low vibe to a different kind of low vibe. Maybe even one like they felt a little good about putting me in my place because my energy dropped for a second. I don't know for sure, but seeing as this is our pattern, I wouldn't put it past them to hammer me down when I'm riding high. More curious than anything, I questioned this this friend. I said, what do you mean? And the friend explained, your energy is just total chaos when you're high. And again, ouch. But before I spoke, I just sat there without defending myself. Just, wow, feeling some feelings in my body right now. And because I wanted to sense into their energy and check in with the thoughts going on in my head, I just sat there. I paused because the energy in my body dropped an octave, if we're talking about music notes. And now I was annoyed and a little hurt, but I wasn't going to allow their judgment to ruin my enjoyment. I was more just like, really? (laughs) Really? It's New Year's Eve. Like, why are you being that way? And then I slowed down even more. And after a long, purposeful pause of evaluating their incoming energy and my outgoing energy and the adjustment adjustment that I wanted to make to meet them where they were but didn't allow myself to make, I made the choice to get a little more curious about my friend because I didn't really feel like I fully understood the meaning of what was being expressed. So I followed up with, I think it's interesting because I feel fully expressed and open and pretty amazing right now. Pretty, pretty full of joy. Like I could just explode glitter in all directions. It's New Year's Eve. 2021 is over. We're on our way to a really fun party. We're wearing costumes. Like why wouldn't I be bouncing off the walls with joy? And further, I find it interesting that my full expression of joy is what you consider chaos because I'm pretty sure that would mean that you don't enjoy the full expression of who I truly am. And then I just sat there. And at this point, my friend realized that they had showed their hand and tried to placate me to cover this up. But I wasn't playing that game and I dropped it. After calmly getting them off the highway and into the neighborhood where we were going, I allowed myself to spiral slowly back upward to cloud nine and stay there for the rest of the night. 
What I want you to see here is that I chose not to react, and then I took steps to neutralize the energy by creating a moment of safety for my friend who was very clearly expressing their anxiety by lashing out at me. Once we got to the party, I spent several hours away from that person enjoying myself and all the awkward ridiculousness that is a murder mystery party. Now, in the past, this would have been a perfect moment for me to feel judged and to amplify that feeling within myself and for me to feel their low vibration emotions and to drop down to their level and amplify their emotions as a way to show them, I understand, I want to nurture and make you feel better by showing you with my energy that I get where you're coming from. I didn't do this as a way to make a person feel guilty about me thinking that they did something to me because the truth is they didn't do anything to me. They just have a mismanaged mind. They didn't suck my energy. They're not an energy vampire, right? I just felt their low vibrational energy and chose not to engage with it with conscious, slow efforts and thoughtful reactions. The energetic relationship dynamic I just described also exists within our clients or really anytime we're working with other people and when we're not working with other people, when we're just talking to other people. This is why I think my empathic clients who work with animals feel so amazing about their work because they don't have the people factor. So their mirror neurons aren't firing in their brain and they don't have that extra effort of having to become highly focused on what's actually going on and the thoughts they're thinking, and they can just open up their feelers and it kind of feels like they're cheating because they always express feelings of euphoria in working with animals. But trust me, these clients tend to be the ones who struggle a lot more and have a lot less patience with their human interactions and their interpersonal relationships. They seem to be a bit more perplexed by their own emotions because they're not getting that extra practice in their work life like the rest of us unfortunately are. So to bring this all back to the musical example, this would be sort of the difference of the thought pattern that goes like this. This is just a D note. I feel this D note, but this D note does not mean anything about me. I wonder what this D note means to this other person and why they are feeling the way they're feeling. So I just wanted to bring it back to the musical example so we can really sort of understand what happened in my mind throughout the relationship example I just gave. The last bit of learning I'm going to bestow with all of my lovely empathic weirdos listening to this podcast is what it has been like for me as a psychic physical empath my whole life. And in one word, confusing. I've always been able to sense, attract, and direct the energy of any room I've been in. So my first memory of this is in pre-kindergarten. I was about four years old, and I used to hold hands and sing to another little girl in my kindergarten class, and she was very sad. And we would hold hands, and I would sing to her and walk around this big circle drawn on the playground over and over and over calming her down and bringing us both a sense of peace and ease. And I remember feeling her energy, feeling the weight of it. Even when I recall that experience now, I can still feel this heaviness in my heart. I think her parents were going through a divorce at the time, and there was just a lot of sadness around her. So I 
I was a baby. I didn't think I was like, oh, singing, perfect solution, right? I think we were singing country songs too, which is, ugh, it is what it is. <laughs> the next memories I have are where things started to get confusing for me. Because after my parents got divorced, I took on the responsibility of trying to manage their emotions. Not because anybody asked me to, but because I just did. Big mistake. (laughs) But I started to figure out at a pretty young age that I know how to read my mom's mind. And playing apples to apples with us is just stupid because... We both know how to read each other's minds. And I w- it's not because we spend a lot of time around each other. It's because we have years and years of practice of tuning in to the other person's vibration. And I would be lying if I didn't admit to also being a little guilty of planning thoughts at times and maybe just in like a playful way, like when we're playing Uno around Christmas, <laughs> because the door swings both ways. And when I was younger... I didn't realize the extent of my abilities, thank God. And I didn't flex them too much growing up outside of always getting the guy everybody wanted and always being able to draw somebody's attention to me by just tapping into their energy. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I could do it. So this worked a lot with lead singers of bands and oddly drummers. So I dated a lot of those in college. I continued to have a lot of moments where I know now, looking back, that they were psychic experiences in my 20s, and simply through directing the power of my intention, I pretty much got what I wanted, but I didn't feel like I deserved anything due to deep wounding laid in my childhood by my primary relationships. And because I didn't feel like I deserved much due to this deep wounding in other areas of my life, I got whatever I wanted, but I still was just scraping by. Now, I'm a physical empath, and although inner sight and mind tricks are fun and endlessly fascinating, the first time I experienced my physical empathy and psychic power was through the massive energy exchange of feeling somebody else's heartbreak in combination with mine. I had an ex cheat on me and then he tried to hug me and I felt like my body caught on fire. Like I, that was the first time I had ever felt that. And I was like, what the fuck? Don't touch me. (laughs) And it wasn't because I didn't want a hug and I was mad because those things were true too. But the amplified energy of both of our emotions surged through my body when he made physical contact with me. The second time, I thought I was going insane, and so did everybody around me. I was working at this restaurant in downtown Denver called The Lobby. My incredible friend Nate got me the job, and he was the chef there at the time, and I was there about nine months or so. By the way, if you are in Denver, Nate is the best chef ever, in my opinion. I love the whimsical ways he puts together menus and he uses his play and his passion every day. And he's also a hell of a photographer. Shout out, Nate. So the day of this experience, there was a new guy there and he was helping out as a friend of the owners because I guess we were short staffed, but that actually wasn't the case. He was just kind of in the way. But I stayed away from this guy. His energy just didn't, didn't feel, his incoming energy felt wrong. I don't know how else to describe it. It didn't feel high vibration. didn't feel like 
um, somebody that was there to support what was already happening. I felt like, you know, in the way. So <laughs> he was literally making a mess out of the flow of our usually seamless, very, very high volume brunch shift. And when I refused to engage with him, he reached out and physically touched me. And it was like black lightning shot through my entire body. It was like little energy spikes all over me all at one time. And I was shook. And I turned and I looked at him with a look that must have looked like my skin was melting off my face. And he said, geez, I won't touch you. And I thought, hell right, you won't touch me. (laughs) Dick. (laughs) But when he did touch me, I got this full body, this person is evil energy. At the end of my shift, I pulled my manager, Nicole, aside. I was the only one there left, actually. And the end of my shift was like two o'clock in the afternoon because we were a brunch restaurant. And I pulled her aside and I said, hey, who was that guy? And she explained that he was a friend of the owners and he owns all these other restaurants in town and he's a good guy. And then I was like, huh, okay. And then I delivered my warning. And I can't remember exactly what I said, but I felt a part of her lock in and believe, believe me. Yet the words that came out of her mouth next were, oh, he's such a great guy. He's harmless. You're just overthinking it. And then I, of course, agreed to that. And I was like, you know what? I might just be angry at men. And we laughed it off. A few weeks later, this man ended up stealing something like $15,000 from the company and disappearing to Costa Rica. So I've had a lot of experiences like this in my life, but things really started to open up for me when I had my Reiki attunement last year. And I'm going to do an episode on Reiki coming up because there's a lot of really incredible articles that were published last year um, in PubMed and in the medical community. They're peer-reviewed that show the healing benefits of Reiki, and I'm going to explain to you guys all about what that is. But for now... Just know it is a healing energy that you give to somebody else by putting your hands on them. So now I see things prophetically in front of my eyes while they are open days before they happen. And when I see these things, they feel totally neutral or I react to them because something wild is happening. (laughs) Um, The one that happened last year, I was leaving my gym And I was at a stoplight and the light turned green and I pulled out into the intersection and this giant white SUV plowed into me and T-boned me. And I remember I physically leapt, like jumped in my car, like shook my body out of my seat. And then I sort of like realized I was still sitting at the stoplight and was like, oh, the light's green. I can go now. Do, 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 do. And just kept driving. Like I didn't really think. I was like, huh, that's new. I didn't really think anything about it because when you see an emotional experience in the future, it hasn't happened yet. So there's no emotional charge. You haven't experienced it yet. So it's pretty wild and it's pretty spectacular and pretty amazing. So the next day I went to the gym, same thing, sitting in my car, light turns green. And this time I kind of wait, just kind of wait a second. And then zoom, a giant white SUV, exactly like the one that quote unquote smashed into me, into my vision, went through the intersection running their red light and would have smashed into me. Now, what's so interesting about this is two days before 
when I saw the vision in front of my eyes, there were no cars when I looked around. And that's a very busy intersection. But the following day, the only car that was there was this giant white SUV. What? Yes, that actually happened. And after that white SUV blew through the intersection, you better believe I was peeking my head out my window and around the corner so I could see to turn left. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you know at the end of summer in 2021, I lost a member of my family, a 15-year-old pug named Chloe. Now, Chloe, may she rest in peace with lots and lots of cheese. I was giving Chloe her last few Reiki treatments and to make her transition less painful. And towards the end of her life, she had pneumonia. And as I would start giving her Reiki, I would start coughing up her mucus out of my body, which is so gross. And I would take my hands off of her and the mucus would go away. And then I would put my hands back on her and the mucus would come back. And the poor thing was literally drowning in mucus at this point. So I just like kept giving her Reiki and kept just like spitting the mucus into um, tissue and throwing it away. And that really helped. I mean, she was a different dog the next day, literally a different dog. And my mom, who was the primary caretaker of this dog at the time, was shocked at her improvement because she had been so sick for so long. She was like, Chloe's dying. Chloe's going to die today. Like, I was like, okay, well, let me just try and give her some Reiki and just like see, see how this, you know, works. We'll just give it a go. Why not? We've tried everything else. We've tried all the medicine. Let's try Reiki. She was literally up and running around the next day. So it was very powerful. And really, I'm so blessed that I could give that to her on her way out. But this poor little baby, right? The day before she passed away, the day before we we put her down because it was just the cancer was so angry in her poor little baby body. This 15-pound pug, her level of pain caused me I don't know how much I weigh, but I'm 5'9". I'm a full-grown human woman. Curvy, beautiful, don't worry about it. Full-grown human woman on this end of the microphone. Caused me to black out. Her pain was so intense. When I was giving her Reiki, I fainted. Not once, but twice. And I was like, I don't know how long I can do this. My poor baby. But I will have you know... She received some heavy-duty drugs later that evening, and she went out peacefully and calmly and surrounded by literally our entire family came to this um, death ceremony, I suppose. And I held everybody's hands, and I created a beautiful Reiki bubble, and it was just such a beautiful send-off to such a loving creature that we had in our lives, and we all loved her so much. So I want you to know that I don't always have to be touching someone in order to feel their pain or physical discomfort. That's kind of the weird part about being a physical empath because if the pain in their body is high enough, I just fucking feel it in my body. And I've like stopped my mom or like if somebody at the gym is in a lot of pain. Um, This one time there was a guy at the gym, he was working out. And I go to a gym for bodybuilders, not that I'm a bodybuilder, but just to give you an idea of the IQ of some of these men, it's COVID. 
And this particular guy used dirty towels that we were using to wipe down our gym equipment to cover the screen on the cardio equipment and to wipe the sweat off his face. That's what we're working with here. But regardless of his IQ, basic understanding of bacteria, we were both using the stair machine one day and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I started to get very nauseous. Like it hit me. And that's how my physical empathy happens. It hits me. It's sudden. It's not like slow pain that builds over time. When you have a physical pain, you're like, oh yeah, there's kind of a discomfort there. No, this just is like in your body and it's not in your body. And then it's in your body and it's not in your body. So I was like, whoa, somebody's about to throw up. And I turned around and it was this guy who was curled up on the floor, literally getting ready to vomit. I'm like, dude, why are you here? Go home. So oftentimes if somebody is in the room with me and they have physical pain, especially, like I said, if it's an extremely high level of physical pain, I feel it in my body instantly. And I will usually offer to give them Reiki because I don't want to be in pain. And it's not often emotionally related, but this is the difference between a psychic empath and everybody is an empath. Everybody has the ability to hone in and refine their understanding of their emotions and the emotions that they're sensing coming in from others. But physical pain is just an elevated state, a more intense version of those emotions. And when you develop your physical empathy or when you develop your empathy rather as a skill, you can open yourself up to be more in tune to others on that level. But you have to clean your fucking mind first. You have to clear out all those subconscious beliefs. So I don't want you to think I'm saying that I'm special or I'm different. I've just had a lot more practice. And sometimes it's not as glamorous as you would think. By becoming highly attuned to the energy of others and understanding their music note doesn't mean anything about you or your music note. At some point, your sensitivities will just stop controlling you because you're always practicing how to modify and change them and you have the tools to pick them apart and understand them from a place of elevated objectivity. And I credit this skill, this physical empathy, this sensitivity I've tuned into, not to some gift from God, but because I play empath at an expert level right? Like I've got the video game up all the way to hard and I've been doing it for a very long time. I read hundreds of books last year and reread some of them several times. The energetic attunements that I've received from other energy workers and shaman and healers have all contributed to me deepening into knowing myself better and being able to clearly understand and hone in what's going on with my clients. And I prioritize that over everything. And now, now I can give a lot of credit to the deep wisdom I know I carry over from lifetimes of learning about energy and emotions as a Lyrian. Or Lyran. How do we say that word? I should definitely figure that out. But if you don't know what those beautiful creatures look like, by the way, I would encourage you to Google it. They're beautiful, the most beautiful. And there are some incredible starseed artists out there drawing their own galactic teams. And you might be activated by something you see. You might be reminded of who you truly are in a galactic sense. And it's just so nourishing and supportive to know that you are connected to 
teams beyond space and time. All right, you guys, this was a big one today. We covered what it means to be an empath, empathy fatigue, and how to avoid it, and my personal experience of being a psychic and being a physical empath. And it's a wild ride, you weirdos, and I'm so glad you're here to share this journey with me on this rock so far from all of our homes and so far from our destinations. My hope is that in sharing what I've learned on my own journey as a psychic empath on this podcast, that I've helped clear up some popular misconceptions about what it actually means to be an empath, how it's used, what it feels like, and whether or not anybody can be an empath. Fun fact, they can. (laughs) So if you're going through one final reckoning before you fully step into your power and own your mission, I want you to be gentle to yourself. There are layers to being an empath and discovering your skills, just like there are layers to being a human. They're the same thing. As you start to peel back those layers, just like an onion, you're going to cry a lot. Feeling your emotions is healing your emotions. Let those tears fall, babe. Let go of the old and make space for the new way of being you. And don't forget, book your vibe check and let's build a new world together. The first call is January 12th. I'll see you there, weirdo. Bye for now. And listen, weirdo, if you're ready to get in alignment with your highest potential, it's time for you to visit sunflowermindbody.com and click book now at the top of the page. Interproduction and voiceover talent provided by Everheart Studios out of Denver, Colorado with voiceover performance by the ever-talented Christine Burnett. Thank you so much to both of them for helping make my podcasting dreams come true. Got a burning curiosity? Slide into my DMs using the links in the show notes or email me katie at sunflowermindbody.com to submit your ideas for future episodes now.